Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow us with your favorite podcast software. I do want to remind you as you're making your travel plans to check johnnydollarair.com first. johnnydollarair.com is our Priceline affiliate link. So if you purchase through there, part of your purchase price supports the great detectives of old time radio at no additional cost to you. Well, now it is time for us to get into the conclusion of the Duke Red Matter. The original air dates are January 25th, 26th, and 27th of 1956, and it's the Duke Red Matter episodes 3, 4, and 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Who? Johnny Dollar, the insurance investigator. This is Miss Abbott, isn't it? Yes, What are you doing in the stable office? Waiting for you to call me. Your father threw me off the farm a few minutes ago. A man named Cully who works for your dad said he really didn't mean it. Said he'd fix it up for me to talk to you. Cully? I guess that's why he asked me to phone the stable office. You told me the horse wasn't injured, shouldn't have been destroyed. I hope you didn't believe all that, Mr. Dollar. Well, now look, I've got to settle a $65,000 claim on the death of a racehorse. The carcass was cremated, and I have no evidence that the horse was destroyed or even injured. I don't know what to believe yet, but I can tell you this. Don't ever talk to an insurance investigator the way you did earlier today, not unless you can back it up. My, you sound grim. You sound like it's a laughing matter. Hardly anything's a laughing matter. I'll be right down. Tonight, and every weekday night... Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Location, San Pietro, California. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Universal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Duke Red matter. Fifteen minutes after I spoke with Terry Abbott on the phone, I looked out the window of the stable office and saw her starting down toward the stables. She'd changed clothes. This time, she was wearing blue jeans and riding boots. She carried a quirt in one hand, a cigarette in the other. There was a scarf or some such tied around her hair. All in all, it was a classic impression. Rich girl, racing horses, and fast cars. She wore a disdainful pout, also classic. Hi. I do. Father asked me where I was going, and I told him I was going for a ride. Why'd he throw you out? He didn't like questions I asked him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I won't like the questions you ask me. Possibly. Probably. (laughs) You don't really work very hard trying to please anyone, do you? Industrial hazard in my business. Hope it doesn't bother you too much, Miss Abbott. Nope, I like it. You're so darn sure of yourself, and you know so darn little, and you look like you might be thinking all kinds of things. How tall are you? No, 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 let me guess. Six one? Not quite. 
Well, you're tall enough, I suppose. Do you like this office? I suppose you've been opening the files and going through all of Father's papers. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Nope. Well, unless you know something about horses, the papers around here wouldn't mean much to you. Times, weights, whole schedule and chart for every bit of stock on the place. Do you know anything about horses? Just one. Duke Red. Oh. He was insured for $65,000. And he's dead now. You know, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I wanted to talk to you before I left. What about? I didn't insure Duke Red. My father insured him. Your business is with my dad, not me, Mr. Dollar. Pardon me if I seem a little confused, but earlier today you were very anxious to tell me something about all that. Was I? Yes, you were. Hey, what is this anyway? I wish we hadn't met. But we did, and you mentioned there was no need to destroy Duke Red after he'd been injured. Now, did you say something like that to me because you were angry at your father? Or did you say it because there was some truth to it? Well, now, what's that supposed to mean? Do you just stand around and pout when people ask you questions? Did you mean that horse wasn't injured or that he was injured, but that he could have been saved? Well, did you have any reason at all for saying the things you did? I... I've been very upset lately. All of us around here have been very upset. Yeah, I'm getting that way myself. Duke Red was the best horse we've had around these stables in five years. His father was a real champion, Earl Red, and maybe you've heard of him. He earned $190,000. We've all been counting on Duke Red since he was a colt. He had it then. This was going to be his big year. When this stupid accident happened, it, it just turned all of us upside down. Uh-huh. Is that your explanation for the things you said to me? Yes, for the moment. Now, please, don't ask me any more questions right now. One more. What? Your father fired a couple of people I wanted to talk with. One of them was a Howard Monroe. Dad's office manager? Yes, I met him a couple of nights ago. He wouldn't talk. He was too mad. Said something about letting your father handle his own dirty business. What? Now, I don't know what that meant, and I don't think I care just now. But the other man who was fired was a horse trainer named Warner, Tom Warner. According to your father, it was Warner's neglect that caused the horse to stumble and back into the tractor blades. What? Warner isn't around here now, but he must be somewhere, and I want to talk to him. Now, where can I find out his address? He's from Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore. What about his address? Well, it'd be in the personnel files. You can get those at the office in town in San Pietro. Okay. Do you think he went there? I don't know. I don't know. And what's more, I don't care. The Abbots, father and daughter, were turning out to be a real peachy pair to deal with. I left them in their racing farm and drove back into San Pietro in the offices where I obtained the Baltimore address on Thomas Warner. Expense account item four, $1.05, one telegram. To Hartford in the office of Niles Pearson, requesting a complete record of Benjamin Abbott's financial status. Item five, $1.60, another telegram. To Thomas Warner, horse trainer requesting him to contact me as soon as possible at the San Pietro Hotel. Meanwhile, I did what I could to establish Abbott's local credit standing. I started with a bank. Dollar? That's right. What's it about? I'm an insurance investigator. I'm working for Universal Adjustment Bureau. We have a claim in on a property of Benjamin Abbott. Duke Red? That's right, $65,000. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a load. What can the bank do for you? Tell me about Abbott's credit situation, for one thing. Oh. He does bank here, I presume. Yeah, for years... My name's Dale Ryan. We better go in my office. Sure. Grab a chair, Dollar. Thanks. 
Miss White? Yes, Mr. O'Ryan. Bring in Mr. Abbott's file, please. Up to date. Yes, sir. It'll take a few minutes, Dollar. All right. Maybe you can give me a rundown on how things are generally. Maybe. This is all confidential, I suppose? Absolutely, Mr. O'Ryan. I have no axe to grind. You must have something to grind or you wouldn't be here. People usually try to cheat insurance companies for money reasons, don't they? (laughs) Usually, yes. Have you been cheated? I don't know. I don't know if there's any reason for us to be cheated. Look, maybe it'll put your mind at ease if I just tell you that a man with a $65 claim has his financial situation checked as a matter of course. You're a careful bunch of cut-ups, aren't you? Well, business being the way it is, yeah. Well, I don't think you'll find too much to raise an eyebrow about with old Ben. He's got one of the largest balances in town. Roughly, it'd be in the $100,000 area. Yeah, racing horses is quite a business, and he knows what he's doing. I doubt very much if he'd try to bamboozle you people out of a tiny little 65000 Well, That's small change to Ben Abbott. That ranch, the stock, his investment there must come to well over a million dollars. He meets a weekly payroll in the $10,000 class. Terry must run him a couple of thousand a month or so. You mean his daughter? Yeah. You met her? Yeah. Well, eh, when Terry wants a new car, she just parks the old one she's been driving and takes a plane to San Francisco and buys a new one. She might even feel like having a vacation and fly over to Honolulu. She's very expensive that way. (laughs) If what you say is true, she must be. No doubt about it. Well, she'll probably be marrying somebody one of these days as soon as she can find a guy who can stand the freight charges. I figure it'll be one of that Los Angeles oil gang or somebody from Texas. Oil's her best bet, don't you think? That is, if she wants to stay in her social circle. It isn't very wide, naturally. Naturally. Oh, yes? Mr. O'Ryan. Oh, come in, come in. Mr. Abbott's folder. Oh, thanks. Well, here it is. See for yourself. Yeah. There's a lot to it. You want to take that office over there and look this over, Mr. Dollar? Mr. Dollar? Yeah, I think I'd better. I spent the rest of the afternoon going over Benjamin Abbott's local bank standing. It confirmed in detail what Mr. Orion had sent in general. His assets were many, his cash on hand plentiful. Also, and this has a bearing, the activities of his daughter Terry were indicated in some of the expenditures. There was only one item I had to question Orion about when I'd finished looking it all over. Yes, Dollar? I, uh, I noticed a check was drawn five days ago payable to Howard T. Monroe, $5,500. Yes? It's marked bonus. Monroe handled business affairs for Abbott a year or two, and Monroe left a few days ago. Probably severance and things like that. Yeah, Anything wrong? I don't know. For all I can gather, they didn't part company under the best of terms. As a matter of fact, they had kind of a row. It seems strange he'd pay Monroe a balance after he kicked him out. He's a strange guy. Check cleared all right. No question on it. Oh, yeah, I noticed. Something else, then. Hmm? Monroe was fired last Tuesday. Monday, a man named Thomas Warner was fired, too. Tom Warner? The trainer? Yeah. Abbott told me Warner was responsible for the accident with Duke Red. Funny. What? Well, according to these books, Abbott should still owe Thomas Warner a month's salary, $700. Well, let me see. Mm. Oh, yes. No bonus, no salary, no severance. Seems to me Tom Warner's got a kick coming. Why doesn't he kick, Mr. O'Ryan? I don't know. I would. Most anybody would. I rechecked Abbott's local office in San Pietro and learned that Warner had not left any kind of forwarding address. 
As a matter of fact, he told no one he was leaving. Expense account item six, dollar ninety-eight, dinner, alone, in the dining room adjacent to the lobby of the San Pietro Hotel. I wasn't enjoying my chef's special with a limp green salad when the clerk came in. Mr. Dollar. Hmm? I uh, thought you might be in here. Long distance call for you, Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, yeah, fine. Where can I take you? Use the lobby phone, Mr. Dollar. I'll plug you in from the switchboard. Yeah, uh, go ahead. They're on the line now. Good, thanks. Thanks very much. Hello? Hello? Hello. Is this Johnny Dollar, the man who sent the telegram? Yes. Who's this? Uh, This is Thomas Warner's father. Uh, The wire I opened it, it said it was important for Thomas to get in touch with you. I thought I'd better call and tell you where you could reach him, Mr. Dollar. Well, that's very kind of you, sir. I come home from work. I think this is best. Uh, You call him in San Pietro. He worked near there for a man named Benjamin Abbott. Uh, Ben Abbott, training horses. You... You get in touch with Thomas Oh, wait a minute. I'm in San Pietro now, Mr. Warner. Your son left here four days ago. Didn't he come home? No. Are you sure Thomas is not at Mr. Benjamin Abbott's farm? Positive. Do you have any other ideas where he could be? No. Not sound like Thomas, though, Mr. Dollar. He would not go off away without letting his mother and me know. Are you sure? I am sure, certain. Thomas, my son, he always let my wife and I know where he is so we don't worry. Something is wrong, Mr. Dollar? What? Is something wrong? Yeah. Maybe there is. Yeah. Plenty. Johnny Dollar. You placed a call to the Universal Adjustment Bureau in Hartford, Connecticut? Yes, I did. We have Mr. Pearson on the line now. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Hello? Johnny? Niles. Ben Abbott's rating with Dunn and Bradstreet is very good. He doesn't need any money. I still haven't determined if there was really an accident. Oh, and uh, no one seems to know what happened to Thomas Warner. Who's that? The trainer who was supposed to be with a horse when Abbott destroyed it. One his father called me from Baltimore. He doesn't know where he is either. Is that so? Something just occurred to me, Niles. What? Abbott's claim was filed over a week ago, yet he hasn't threatened to sue us or go to the insurance commission. I know. And that's usually pretty standard procedure with a man like Abbott. It is. If he has a just claim. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Location, San Pietro, California. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Universal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Duke Red matter. I had a strong suspicion that the death of Duke Red, a racehorse, had not happened as reported. The one man who could possibly answer my questions was missing. He had left the Abbott Ranch in San Pietro without collecting a month's back pay and without telling anybody about his forwarding address. Hi. Mr. Dollar. Hello, Kelly. Mr. Dollar, you can make this pretty hard for me. Mr. Abbott told me I shouldn't let you on the ground. Well, now, you didn't strike me as the kind of fellow who took that order too seriously. What do you want, sir? I want Thomas Warner, wherever he is. Well, he isn't here. I know that, Kelly. 
I want to find out where he is. Probably went home. I talked to his father in Baltimore. His father hasn't heard from him. Oh. Wouldn't you like to know where he is? Men come and go, Mr. Dollar. Your friend's with them for a little while, and you never hear from them again. I reckon that's the way we have to look at it. Now, maybe you better go now, Mr. Dollar. Suppose he didn't want to go without saying goodbye. Suppose he didn't have a choice. What do you mean? I mean a man doesn't pass up a month's pay just to make a fancy exit. We can't talk here, sir. Where did Thomas Warner stay? He had a room off the stables, his own place. How about there? All right, Mr. Dollar. You wait for me, sir. I walked on down to the stables again and found the little apartment Thomas Warner had used for living quarters. The door was locked and I waited outside, looking over the workout tracks and the acres of rolling green turf that made Abbott Farms. A little while, Cully appeared. I shouldn't be doing this, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Abbott would skin me alive if he knew I was having any truck with you after that big row you had with him yesterday. Well, I'm not about to tell, Mr. Abbott, Kelly. I appreciate your help. This is where Mr. Warner stayed all the time he worked for Mr. Abbott. Uh-huh. You can see for yourself, it's all cleaned out, not a stitch left. Yeah. Did you happen to see Warner leave here that night? Right after the accident, he was gone. Mr. Abbott came up to the house about 9 o'clock. He told us all that Duke Red had been hurt. He had to shoot him and that he had taken care of the rest. You mean destroying the carcass? Yes, sir. That's a pretty big job for one man. Well, I believe Dr. Gorey helped him with it, sir. He, he was with Mr. Abbott. Ah. Oh. Then Mr. Abbott told us that Mr. Warner was to blame for the accident and that Mr. Warner wasn't with us anymore. I wonder if any of the others saw him actually leave the premises. Well, now, we talked about that amongst ourselves. Nobody saw him go, Mr. Dollar. We thought it was kind of funny. Tom was a friendly, quiet sort of man, but he had a lot of friends here. Mm-hmm. It kind of disappointed us all, I guess. Do you have many things in this room? Clothes, mostly. He was a light traveler, Mr. Dollar. Horse training was just one thing. He worked on ships and in mining camps and lumber mills. I know that much, and he read a lot. Always seemed to be studying, finding himself. Did he have a temper? No, sir. No, sir. That's one thing Mr. Tom didn't have. Good horse trainer can't afford to have a temper. Even Mr. Abbott he could handle. All except that night, I guess. Mr. Abbott got powerful mad, I'm sure. Mr. Mr. Abbott is not an easy man to work for. How long have you been with him, Cully? Twenty-three years, sir. We were together in Maryland before he moved the stables to California. His bad temper hasn't bothered you? Mr. Abbott was different than he is now. I mean, when Miss Abbott was alive. But then when she died and... Raising Miss Terry, he hasn't had it so easy. I mean, easy with himself. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think so. I worry about Mr. Abbott, Mr. Dollar. He don't seem to run himself well sometimes. You know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe Duke Red being gone now will help. Mr. Abbott counted on that animal a lot. Counting on a racehorse is not just being anxious overnight or for a week but being anxious for years, from the time they're colts to when they first step out. Now, he don't have that worry at all. Maybe it'll do him some good. What about his other horses? Them? Well, none of them like Duke Red. Not the same at all. They'll race and make money, but nothing like Duke Red. Yeah. Mr. Warner said he was a fine horse. Tell me, what kind of a car did Mr. Warner drive? Well, he didn't have a car, Mr. Dollar. How do you suppose he left here? He must have been carrying luggage. I reckon so. He could have lugged him out the highway and flagged himself a ride or waited for the bus. They come by all the time. 
Think he might have called a cab in town? Didn't use a house phone, maybe the one down in the stable office. Maybe someone drove him in, Cully. Miss Terry might have, sir. Huh? Miss Terry drove Mr. Warner around now and then. Did Mr. Rabbit approve of that? No, sir. He did not. After my talk with Cully, I took a chance and hung around the stables trying to get a line on Thomas Warner. Ben Abbott's belligerent attitude seemed to permeate the whole farm. The horse handlers I talked with were grumbling and complaining. I was able to learn nothing from them. I decided to tackle Abbott himself again. He wasn't in, but his daughter was. Well, you came around just the right time, Mr. Dollar. We haven't had too much excitement around here all day long. I think they're supposed to toss you out on your ear when you show up. That should be interesting. Would you like a drink? No, not right now, thanks. Not right now, thanks. Now, isn't that the end, the bitter end? So precise, so efficient, so determined, so anxious to do a good job. To be a sober, steady, substantial expert bore. Now, what is it? Who are you mad at, Terry? Tom Warner? Why should I be mad at him? Horse trainer. Because he left and didn't say goodbye? Maybe. You know, when I first came in this house two days ago, you were arguing with your father. I couldn't help overhearing it. Was that about Tom Warner? Yes. Dad said he wasn't good enough for me. I'm all right now. Something else that day. That business you were telling me about before. It'll have to be looked into. Why, for heaven's sake? Because you intimated that your father and Dr. Gorey might be lying about the whole thing? Do you realize that if there's any truth to it, your father'd be liable for criminal charges? I know. I was just trying to put Dad in a bad light with you. It was just for good old-fashioned first-class spite. Him telling me about not seeing Tom and all. We've been arguing for weeks about it. When I saw you the other day, I thought it was a good chance to get back at Dad. I see. Tell me about the trouble over Warner. Why tell you? Well, let's say I'm an interested party. I like you, Terry. Well, Tom and I saw quite a bit of each other, and Dad never liked it. I suppose because I'm all he has left. Mother and Bob, he was my older brother, were killed in an airplane accident a few years ago. Dad's always expected me to marry one of the Long Island horses, he said. The turf, something, I don't know. Anything but a horse trainer. He's been looking for an excuse to get rid of Tom. Your father doesn't strike me as the kind of man who would have to give an excuse to fire someone he didn't want around. Well, he found an excuse. He blamed the accident on Tom. Do you think he's mad? What's that? Nothing. Do you suppose your father will ever calm down so I can talk to him? I don't know. The Abbots have always been a terribly angry group of people, very emotional... There doesn't seem to be much of a let-up these days. Terry, is that what you meant when you asked me if I thought your father was mad? I suppose so. It's almost as if he's been on the verge of, of something lately, something desperate. His moods frighten me sometimes. They didn't used to. I, I don't easily frighten. But looking back, two years ago, Daddy bought a new car. We were out driving one day right after he bought it, and something went wrong. The gear shifter, some little thing. Well, Daddy was so angry, he, he just backed the car up and smashed it into a cement wall and left it. That was when he first frightened me. The first time that I can remember. Have you been frightened much? Since then? Oh, yes, many times. 
That's why Tom was so nice to have around. He, he never became angry. Never did things like that. Like the men, the men I know. Tom sat quietly and he let me sit beside him, reading, talking. I'm not that kind, really, of course, but I, I liked it with Tom. I liked it very much. You asked me about him, Johnny. Well, I'll tell you. If he'd come to say goodbye to me, there would have been no goodbye. I would have gone away with him anywhere. I was in love with him from the first day he came to work here. I still am. I always will be. Well, that's all there is to tell. Did he know this, Terry? Yes. And he knew I meant it. I do. Hi. What can I do for you? Constable in. I'm in. I'm the constable. Tad Polk. My name's Johnny Dollar. I'm from Hartford. Mm-hmm. What's your trouble, Mr. Dollar? Well, I'm worried, I guess, Mr. Polk. I, I walked around for a long time before I came in here. Yeah. Sit down. And hardly anybody drops in this time of night, unless they're drunk. How about you? Nope. No, didn't think so. Mr. Polk, I'm an insurance investigator. I've been in San Pietro three days now, trying to get the facts about a claim filed by Benjamin Abbott. Mm-hmm. I suppose about his horse, Duke Red. That's right, Mr. Polk. I can't seem to locate a man named Warner, Thomas Warner. Worked as a trainer for Abbott up until the day of the accident. Go ahead, sir. Warner and Abbott had an argument over the accident. Warner left. He was fired. His folks in Baltimore haven't heard from him, and they're worried. I can't seem to get a line on him myself, and I need to talk to him. Yes, well, what exactly do you want me to do for you, son? Help me find him. You sure he's missing? He isn't around. You want to make out a missing persons complaint, that it? I suppose so, yes. Yes, all right. Now, you just sign here. All right. There. You guarantee results? I might surprise you, mister. I'll let you know what happens. Johnny Dollar. This is Dr. Gorey. You left word for me to call? Yes. Wonder if I could see you sometime today, Doctor. What about? About the Abbott matter. No. I'm kind of busy today. I talked to you once, Mr. Dollar. What else can I say to you? That's up to you, Doctor. Entirely up to you. I can tell you this. I have reason not to believe what you said before. Now, look here, young man. I have reason to believe that Duke Red wasn't destroyed exactly the way it was reported. I'm not going to listen to any tall tales about a horse. And maybe you'll listen to one about a man. What? Thomas Warner, Duke Red's trainer, is missing. I've turned the matter over to the police. Oh. Oh. Yeah. How about it, Dr. Gorey? Do we talk? All right, Mr. Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Location, San Pietro, California. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Universal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Duke Red matter. Expense account item 8, 90 cents. Breakfast for me and coffee for Constable Tad Polk, San Pietro Police Department. 
Yes, sir. I'm glad we could get together this morning, Mr. Dollar. You know, I thought a long time about you reporting Tom Warner missing. Well, maybe I'm worried for nothing. But I do know I don't like the circumstances of his disappearance. You using me, Mr. Dollar? What? You know I got a police force of four men. We can't conduct any sizable investigation into a disappearance. Just aren't equipped for it. I thought it might be something like that. I don't want to be spending civic money to satisfy some doubts in the mind of your organization. It's not my province, Mr. Dollar. Look, the man's missing. Nobody knows where he is. He didn't leave a trace. He did leave a month's pay behind him. He left after an argument with Abbott. Nobody saw him leave that farm, Constable. No one knows where he is now. Now, just hold on to your britches, boy. I didn't say I wouldn't do anything about it. Huh? I'm going out and have a talk with Ben Abbott, Mr. Dollar. I've known him for a long time. Think maybe I can find out something about this. We'll see what happens there first, then make some plans. That sounds fair enough, Constable. Where can I get in touch with you in case I have to? I'm going over to see Dr. Gorey this morning. After that, I'll be at my hotel. Fine. Dollar? Yeah? You think something might have happened to Tom Warner? Yeah, Constable. I sure do. Expense account item nine, $2.50. One long-distance phone call to Hartford. I explained the matter of Tom Warner and requested Niles Pearson to have a man in Baltimore start checking with Warner's parents there in the event some lead as to his whereabouts might turn up there. After that, I drove out to see Dr. Gorey, veterinarian. You know, you have a way of not being very nice on the telephone. What is it now, Mr. Dollar? I just talked to my home office in Hartford, Dr. Gorey. They aren't very happy with the way this case has been going. They're too bad about them in Hartford. How does it affect me? Well, they're just about at the point where they might close it and call me back home. All this fuss, and they're going to pay the claim? No, no, not at all. I don't mean they're going to pay at all. What? They can do one of two things. They can appeal to the insurance commission for a judgment. They'd have a point. No reliable or cooperative witnesses saw the accident to the horse or the circumstances of it. What's more, there's no carcass. For all we know, the horse may be down in Mexico. Now, look, here. they can institute proceedings against Abbott, charge him with attempt to defraud. That's ridiculous. Why would a man worth almost a million dollars worry about an insurance policy? Well, of course, it's ridiculous to you and me, Doctor. But then legally, it's not ridiculous at all. I can pretty well put some things together. Abbott didn't even want to file a claim for the loss of that horse. As a matter of fact, he fired his office manager, Monroe, for filing the claim. Fired him and paid him a bonus to get out and stay out so Monroe wouldn't have to answer any questions, true? Possibly. Abbott blamed the accident on Thomas Warner and fired him, too. Warner hasn't been seen or heard of since. Now, you said on the phone... I didn't say it, but I'll say it now. Abbott hated Warner because Warner was seeing his daughter. I'll also say Abbott never struck me as a man who could control his hates. Tom Warner's nothing to me. I don't know anything about him. But Ben Abbott is something to you. Now, look, doctor. I spent some time checking you out because you're one of the parties who can help settle this thing. You've been in practice around here for a good long time. People seem to think a lot of you. I hate to see a nice guy like you get the book. I think I can stop that if you cooperate. Now, look here. Forget I'm an insurance investigator. I'm just a guy giving you some information. When I said my company's ready to turn the matter over to the insurance commission or file charges, it means that Abbott will have to sue for settlement. And that's just what we'd want him to do. In court, he'd have to produce Thomas Warner and prove his story of the accident. I don't think he can produce Thomas Warner. With what we have so far, Abbott would lose the suit and the insurance company wouldn't fool around then. There's no outfit tougher than an insurance company when somebody's trying to cheat them, whether it's inadvertent or not. You'd have to be in court too, Doctor. Oh. 
You see what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Well, how about it? Can you give me the real story now? I've been Ben Abbott's friend for 20 years. And he asked you to lie for him. That's understandable to me. In a court, though, it's perjury. What'll it do to him? That's up to the company. I'll have to hear your part of it first. Duke Red was dead when I got out there that night. Ben had shot him. Duke Red hadn't had any accident. Ben made me promise to tell you that he had. Ben had just shot him. Shot him? But why? Duke Red wasn't the horse Ben counted on or thought he was. He had good confirmation, but he just wouldn't run. Couldn't run, I think. Ben got mad about that and shot him. And Tom Warner saw it happen, is that it? Yeah. Ben told me Warner saw him shoot the horse. He gave Warner some money and told him to go away. Uh, I don't know. Ben's losing his mind, I think. I've heard that about him before. From who? His daughter. Terry. Poor Terry. Yes, she'd have reason to say that. Huh? Now what? I'll have to talk to Abbott. Sure. One thing still worries me. What's that? I went over his bank record. He paid out money to Monroe, but he didn't pay out anything to Thomas Warner. He told me that he did. Okay, then. I'll ask him about that, too. Expense account item 10, 35 cents. I lost it in a payphone trying to get in touch with Ben Abbott. No one answered, so I drove on out to the farm. The short winter day was over when I got there. Darkness had already come over the fields. Darkness and loneliness. Hey! Hey in there, open up! Open up! Open up, somebody! Open up! Mr. Dollar, sir. Good evening. Hello, Kelly. Didn't you hear me? Mr. Dollar, sir, maybe this isn't such a good time to be coming around. Is Mr. Abbott here? Yes, sir, he is. But Constable Polk was out here this afternoon asking questions, and he got powerful mad. There's no telling what he might do. He's awful mad. Well, I'm a little mad myself. I'd like to see him. Tell him I'm here. Mr. Dollar, please. That's all right, Cully. You go ahead. All right, Miss Terry. I'll find Mr. Abbott, Mr. Dollar. Hello, Johnny. Hi. Oh, don't. Don't come any closer. Well, what is it? Why is it so dark in here? I'd rather you didn't see me just now. Huh. Terry. Vanity. A woman always has that first, they say. Oh, John. Who did this to you? Dad. He's crazy. I just don't seem to do anything to please him. Here, here, now. Oh, Johnny, I think it's the end. Take your hands off her. What? What? I said, take your hands off her. I'll kill you with this. Johnny, be careful. Wait a minute. I'll I'll show you. I'll show you. I killed the man. Please, stop it. Stop it. Terry. Terry, baby. No. No, don't touch me. Oh, Johnny. Johnny. Oh, Oh, that's... It's a pretty heavy cane he uses. Oh, lie still. I'll phone a doctor. No, no. Where'd he go? I don't know. Out that way. Johnny, did you hear? About killing someone else? He was talking about Tom Warner. Johnny, I know it. He was talking about Tom. 
place to call to Constable Polk's office. Told him what happened. He said he'd start right away. After that, I took a walk around the grounds. All the cars were still in the garages. Then I heard some sort of disturbance down by the stables. I've got a shotgun this time. I have a gun too, Mr. Abbott. Go away from here. Get in your car and go away from here. The police will be here in a few minutes. Look, this won't do you any good. Abbott, did you hear me? It'll be better for you if you're in the house ready to make a statement for them when they come. I know that Dr. Corey lied for you, Abbott. I know that you killed that horse deliberately. Abbott! I told you to get away from here! You said you'd kill someone. You were talking about Tom Warner, weren't you? You killed him because of Terry. Last warning. Go away. I won't go away. But you'd better throw that gun away and come on out here. I'm not afraid of you. The whole bunch of you! You're just being foolish, Abbott. Like you were the day you smashed up a new car because some little thing on it didn't work. The way you killed that valuable horse because you didn't like his running. The way you killed Tom Warner without reason. You're smashing your whole life now this way. Put down that gun and come out. Abbott! That's enough! Abbott. Abbott. Oh, you didn't have to do it this way, Abbott. Lie still. Warner's body. Under this floor. All his things with it. You know about Duke Red. I know. Don't try to talk. Warner tried to stop me from killing him. He said I was crazy, Dollar. Easy. I'm not crazy, am I, Dollar? Don't move. Am I? Am I? No. You're not crazy. Not anymore. They found the body of Thomas Warner where Abbott had said it was. He'd been shot to death. Terry was still in the hospital when I packed up and left San Pietro. Expense account item 11, $65.30. Hotel and board at the San Pietro Hotel. Item 12, $175. Airfare and incidentals back to Hartford. Item 13, $43 even, miscellaneous. Expense account total, $802.65. No remarks. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, there'll be another intriguing story for you beginning next Monday night. Next week, the Flight 6 matter... A story involving a girl so beautiful that men were willing to kill for her. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Barbara Fuller, Barbara Eiler, Herb Butterfield, John Stevenson, Parley Bear, Will Wright, Robert Bruce, and Forrest Lewis. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. One thing I like about these five-part stories is that they have enough room to set up certain characters as following along with typical tropes. And the case of Terry is a great example of this. It's easy to, on first hearing Terry, to conclude that she's a spoiled rich girl. Maybe a bit wild, certainly very expensive. Perhaps with a touch of Carmen Sternwood from the big sleep in terms of the immaturity. But we follow a process that reveals the truth about her. She's doing her best to cope with a father who's losing his grip, which puts the bank manager's comments about her jetting off to Hawaii in a very different light. And it shows you don't really know what's going on with people. She wasn't particularly interested in marrying someone in her social class. She just wanted someone who was kind, calm, and steady. That's what she needed in her life. And what happened to her and her father is ultimately a tragedy. And the audience feels that, and I think it connects really because of the performance of Bob Bailey and the way that he plays Johnny as a very genuine person. There are certain private detectives who would not work well at all with this story. You think about someone like Larry Kent or Mike Hammer encountering a case like this, and there is no emotional impact. With Johnny Dollar, and particularly Bailey's take, there's a real sense of genuine humanity and decency that shines through. For example, when he was talking to the doctor and explaining to him what was going to happen if the insurance company ended up denying the claim and what that would mean for him, I think it could come across as threatening, but the way Johnny was explaining it, he's like, I really honestly don't want this to happen to you. I don't want to see this occur. And of course, Johnny's sadness at Abbott forcing him to shoot him. And I think that genuineness really draws us in as an audience in a way that some of the more cynical private eyes really couldn't manage. Now, this particular story was adapted from a John Lund script called The Oklahoma Red Matter from October of 1953. And according to a memo that John Abbott found, uh, the writer of the Who is Johnny Dollar Matter, the serial was actually originally named The Abbott Matter. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And as this is the first Friday in June, we're thanking a Patreon supporter who has been supporting us for five years this month. Thank you to Magda, Patreon supporter, since June of 2018. Currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for supporting us for the last five years. It's really appreciated. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. 
And if you are enjoying this video on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, mark the notification bell, and if you'd like, please leave a comment. Those are all great things that help our channel to grow. We'll be back on Tuesday with another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Over here, Jace. Howdy, Sheriff. I'm glad you could get here so fast. I was only about ten miles away when my headquarters contacted me. Fellas that held up this place sure had a lot of nerve. How many were there? Only two, as far as I can gather. One of them kept the customers in the back. The other one got the money from the teller. Took nearly $6,000. Anybody able to identify them? Nope. They were both wearing bandanas over their faces. How about their getaway? Anybody see them after they left the bank? Not a soul that I could find. Seems like they just disappeared into thin air. We did get one break, though. What's that? Well, the teller keeps an extra $200 in his drawer just in case the bank is held up. Ten twenties with a special marking. How are the bills marked? There's a green dot inked in under the first letter of the serial number. Naturally, the bank's got a record of the numbers. That'll help us some. We'll get out of circular. By tomorrow morning, every bank and police officer in Texas will have a copy. It beats me how these fellows had so much nerve. Had it planned right down to the last move. They even took into consideration... Oh, there's Jim Vance coming out of that office. He's a teller. Reckon he's bringing that list of serial numbers. Uh-huh. Uh, got that list of numbers for us, Jim? Yes, sir. Right here. But there was something else I want to see you by. What's that? Well, now, I forgot all about this in the excitement... The man who was holding the customers in the back, he passed me on his way out. Yeah? Seemed to be having trouble with his bandana. It slipped down a little just as he got alongside my window. You mean you got a look at his face? Oh, no, sir. Not exactly. But I did say one thing. Remembered it while I was writing out those numbers just now. He had a, a, a mole under his eye. Pretty good-sized one, too. Which eye was it under? Right. Uh, no, 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 I got it twisted. I was facing him, so it must have been his left eye. Well, at least we got some information for that bulletin, Jace. Yeah. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.